we've been in this series. We've been in a series called Our Story. And throughout this series, Pastor Chris has been communicating our story as a church. He's been talking about who we are, right, and, and, and what we're all about. Or in other words, we've been answering the question, what is the mission of LifePoint? Or what are the core values of the church? Who are we? And each week we've been unpacking the answers to those questions, and we'll continue to do that this morning. This series, though, is, is not only about the story of our church. It's really a story or a series about your story and my story as well, right? Because we all know that the church is not a building. It's the people. Therefore, we are the church, and this is our story. And so we've been invited to see how our story, your story, and my story interacts with the story of LifePoint, the church that we call home. In case you have missed the past couple of weeks, though, it's important for you to know that our mission here at LifePoint is pointing people to life in Jesus. That's what we are all about. That is what matters most to us, right? Pointing people to life in Jesus is, is essentially the foundation of who we are and everything that we do around here. And you can make the argument, well, shouldn't that be the mission of every church? And you could say, yes, but we've just kind of chosen to state it like that, pointing people to life in Jesus. This is the mission of our church. And that being said, our desire is for the mission to be the focus of everything that we do here at LifePoint. We don't want anything to distract us from accomplishing that mission. And pointing people to life in Jesus is not only our mission, but it's also what gives our lives here on earth purpose. And that doesn't just apply for us as a church staff or pastors, but that's for everyone who we consider themselves to be or is a follower of Jesus. You see, when we strive to experience life in Jesus and help others do the same, it doesn't matter what career you have, what your interests are, what pursuits you may have, you're living a life with eternal impact when you wake up each day thinking, how can I point someone to Jesus? How can I experience life in Jesus and how can I point someone else to that reality as well? That's what makes it worth getting up in the morning. That's why you go to a job that you hate. That's why you go to a school where you don't care about what you're learning. Because your mission, no matter where you are or what job you may have, what your life entails, it's all about pointing people to life in Jesus. And when we're living a life like that, that points people to life in Jesus, we'll live a life that will result in hearing the words, well done, good and faithful servant. This series, though, is not just about our core or our mission statement, but it's also about our core values, who we are as a church. And these values are important because when we live them out, not only as a church, as an organization, but as individuals, when we live them out, we believe they will help us accomplish our mission of pointing people to life in Jesus. A few weeks ago, uh, we began this series, and it was about two weeks ago that Chris talked about our value of serve others. 
We want to point people to life in Jesus by serving others. Not only other members of this particular body of Christ here at LifePoint, but everyone outside of these walls as well. And as Christians, that's what we're called to do. Paul in Philippians 2 says that we are to look to the interests of other people. We also learn that we have a role to play in the church, the body of Christ. Everyone has a role to play. And we are not able to achieve our full potential as a body unless everyone plays their part. It's why we had that event a couple of weeks ago that we called Connect Sunday. It was an opportunity to engage, to get involved, to get invested. And for some people, that was simply making themselves known to connect with other people and say, I will sign up for that event. Maybe it's the women's if gathering, that conference coming up in March, or I'm going to buy a ticket to the Kings game for the men, or I'm going to go to winter camp if they're students because I want to get connected. I want to get to know more people. But for many of you, uh, others of us, it was about joining a team. Now is the time I am going to serve. I am going to play my part and serve here at LifePoint. Last week, Pastor Chris talked about another value, connect with others. Right? We want to be a church. We want to be a people that points people to life in Jesus by connecting with one another. Meaning we want to form genuine and authentic relationships with, relationships with one another because we know that God has wired us for relationship. Or in other words, we need one another. Therefore, our desire is to be a church that is well-connected, Right? We want you to know other people sitting in the same row or section as you. Our intent is that you would come and not just be in a service for an hour and slip out the doors completely unnoticed like your James Bond, right? That's not the church that we want to be about. We want to connect with one another. It's why while some of you hate the greeting time, it's why we have the greeting time. Because we want you to recognize and acknowledge other people and maybe learn their names. Get to know them a little bit. Because that's what the church is all about. I just kind of think it's funny, and, and again, a little bit of a, of a tangent when we do have that 30 second of greeting, and I'm an introvert, so I get it. I don't really like talking to people. I know I'm a pastor, but hey, I, I have a f switch that I flip. It's Mountain Dew, baby, all right? <laughs> and here's the reality. I mean, could you just imagine if, if the Apostle Paul, we told him, like, look, we don't like greeting time because we don't want to meet other people, Right? That he would probably have a problem with that, and which is why we have this value of connect with others. And if that happens, we will be an example of the early church, a group of people that were devoted to caring for each other, and, and not only caring for each other, but their needs, their families, and then they were also pointing one another toward Jesus. This morning we're talking about a third value, grow in our relationship with God. You see, we want to experience life in Jesus by growing in our relationship with him. And while this may seem like a broad and generic value, hopefully you'll be able to see where the emphasis of this value lies as we get, begin to unpack it a little bit this morning. Now, of course, spiritual growth or moving towards spiritual maturity or growing in our relationship with God, that certainly ought to be the goal of every single follower of Jesus. 
And if that should be the goal of every single individual follower of Jesus, then certainly everything we do at LifePoint should be about growing in our relationship with God. And you begin to see that even in the other core values we've talked about, that of serving others, connecting with others, introducing people to Jesus. All of these values are closely tied to the value of growing in a relationship with God. And you could even say that serving others, connecting with others, introducing people to Jesus, all of these flow or are the result of a growing relationship with Jesus. However, the value of growing in our relationship with God is, is meant to have more of a, of narrow, a narrow focus. Right? It's not meant to be the proverbial junk drawer where we toss everything that doesn't fit into one of the other core values. Oh, okay, I can see how this kind of fits into connect and, and building relationships with other people. And, and yeah, okay, I, I get how this has a little bit more of a, an evangelistic mindset for introducing other people, but I don't know where we should put this. Let's just throw it and grow, right? That's not what we want to do. And this is what it's important for us as we begin this discussion this morning. What you guys need to know is the heart behind this value. See, this value is, is about each individual follower of Jesus focusing on what they need to do in order to grow and develop in their personal relationship with Jesus. As Chris mentioned last week, God has wired us for relationships. We are relational human beings. However, you and I know that relationships require a lot. They require a lot of time and energy and effort, sacrifice and discomfort, and even some pain in order for those relationships to grow and develop. And I'm confident that if you were to take a poll of any couple who's been married for a significant period of time, they would affirm all of that to be true, and then some, right? We must invest in a relationship if you want it to flourish. You must be willing to put in the work if you want it to grow, if you want it to be healthy. In other words, relationships, growing relationships, requires continuous work. And we would be foolish to expect our relationships to be solid if we haven't been putting in the work to develop them. There's a poster on the wall of my dentist's office. A little bit of an odd illustration, I know, hang with me. There's a poster on the wall of my dentist's office which says, ignore your teeth and they will go away, right? <laughs> There's a lot of truth to that, right? Which essentially means you got to put in the work taking care of your teeth, otherwise they will leave you, right? And go elsewhere. <laughs> this principle applies to her relationships as well. If you ignore your relationships, they will go away, right? They will at least deteriorate. There's no way there's going to be any level of health or development if you're not investing into those relationships. If Aaron and I neglected one another, first off, that wouldn't go well for me. But if Aaron and I neglected one another, right, there's no way we could reasonably expect to have a thriving, healthy marriage, our relationship is where it is today only because we've chosen to work at it from the very beginning. We put in the time and energy to get to know one another after we had first met, right? And that's easy. You kind of see her, like, yeah, I like what I see there. Let's get to know each other, right? That's easy. That doesn't take much effort. But then you begin to go down the line of building a relationship, and, and you have to work hard to stay in touch while we were apart. 
We had to stay by one another when things were painful, when we hit certain bumps in the road and things weren't going as we wanted them to. We had to sacrifice our needs or our wants in favor of the others. We invested in our relationship by reading books, attending conferences, seeking out other people who could speak into our lives and our relationship. Like so many of you, we've put in the work so that our relationship can grow. And while work is definitely required in marriage, the reality is it's a must for any type of relationship to grow. Whether that's parent, child, coworker, a friend, it doesn't matter. Any relationship requires work in order for it to grow, including our relationship with God. But for whatever reason, some people assume that a growing relationship with God would, would come easy, that it, it would be natural. However, if you've been a Christian for any length of time, you know that that's not necessarily the case. Spiritual growth doesn't come easy. It takes work. It takes hard work. And like any other relationship we have, it requires time and energy, certainly sacrifice and even pain. The phrase or the saying, no pain, no gain, certainly applies to our relationship with God. See, spiritual growth will require us to be uncomfortable at times. It will require us to stretch ourselves and demonstrate a willingness to be stretched. Certainly this was true for so many followers of Jesus in the early church. In his letter to Christ's followers, James writes this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, it was the numerous trials they faced and the testing of their faith that allowed them to move toward spiritual maturity. Their relationship with God certainly wasn't always a walk in the park, even though they walked side by side with Jesus. It wasn't easy. And I think it's fair to assume that growing in our relationship with God will also come at a price. For some of you, that could mean persecution in one form or another. Maybe not to the extent or in the same way that so many of others of our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ experience it around the world. But I know there are some of you who are experiencing persecution in one form or another because of what you believe. For most of us, though, it means that we need to put in the time, that we need to make a few sacrifices so that our relationship with God can grow. And as you consider your own relationship with God this morning, something that we all need to remember is that we are each responsible for our own spiritual growth. See, one of the most important parts or the value that we're talking about today is that each of us must take ownership of our faith. We have to own it. We can certainly grow in the context of community, in the body of Christ as a whole, and we should. But your growth is not the responsibility of anyone else. When I stand before Jesus, I'm not going to have to give account of how strong or weak your faith was. 
That's not how it works. Everyone will stand before Christ and give an account of their own faith, their own life. You see, we understand this. I mean, if, if I want to get smarter, I have to study. I have to listen to other people who are hopefully smarter than I am, and I have to read. If I want to get stronger, I have to eat well. I have to exercise. I have to go to the gym. If I want to become a better, you name it, cook, musician, singer, all of these things, I have to practice, right? And none of these things, or no one, I should say, can do these things for me. I must be the one to put in the work in order for any of this to happen. And this is a fairly logical statement. I don't think anyone would agree with or disagree with me on that. Yet, somewhere along the line, we've gotten away from this logic when it comes to spiritual growth. We've stopped taking ownership of our faith and have relied on others to do the work for us. Or if you want to say it a different way, outside of a Sunday morning worship service, very few Christ followers spend significant time doing or focusing on things that will strengthen their relationship with God. And I can't help but think or wonder, maybe that's one of the reasons that biblical literacy is so low in our country right now, in our church. Maybe this is a reason why so many young people are leaving the faith, because they're not owning their own faith, but also they're not owning the faith that they see their parents modeling for them. This could be the reason that the church as a whole is not having as great of an impact on our society as we ought to. But here at LifePoint, we want the narrative to be different. We don't want to be like everyone else. We want to be a church that takes ownership of their faith and grows in their relationship with God. And hopefully this is a personal desire of yours as well. But if that's going to happen, we have to ask ourselves the question, what should we do? What should we do in order to grow in our relationship with Jesus? And to help us answer that question, I want to look at a passage of Scripture in Luke 10. I would invite you to turn there with me in your Bible or perhaps in a, an app that you're using this morning, a version app. We're going to be looking at Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42, as we try to answer this question or help find answer to this question of what should we do in order to grow in our relationship with God? Luke 10, 38 to 42 says this. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things, but only one thing is needed. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken from her. See, in this passage, we have sisters who take two different courses of action. Mary chose to sit at the feet of Jesus. Verse 39 says that Mary was listening to what he had to say. Martha was busy getting everything ready. Verse 40 says that she was distracted by all that she had to do. And like any good sibling would, Martha notices that she's the only one doing something, right? She's the only one working. And in typical sibling fashion, 
She tattletales, right? She tattletales. She goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, my sister's not doing anything. Tell her to help me, right? This is essentially what's going on. Now, I know, right, if you have a sibling, we've all been in that situation before, right? As grown adults, hopefully not recently, but maybe at some point in our childhood, right? I remember being the one who was tattletaling to my parents, and I was also the one being tattletailed on uh, when my, my sisters didn't like what I was doing. And now, as a parent, I am the judge and jury of tattletale court in my household, <laughs> right? Piper did this, Vera did that, Reuben bit me. Well, oh, if Reuben bites, he's obviously in the wrong, right? But this is what we do, right? I am the judge and jury of tattletale court. And I am sure that Martha was thinking that Jesus would side with her. I mean, why else would she bring it up, right? If you don't, you don't tattletale unless you think you're going to win, right? <laughs> Nobody does that. So she must have felt that Mary was clearly in the wrong on this one. Well, after listening to Martha's complaint, Jesus responds in verses 41 and 42. He says, Mary, get up and start doing something, right? Stop being lazy. No, he doesn't say that. Uh, he actually says, Mary has chosen what is better. And I think that doesn't necessarily sit well for some of us. Like, wait, what do you mean? Just sitting there doing nothing? That's, that's what's better? Jesus, come on. Like, we're all about hard work. You know, this is America after all. Like, we strap on our boots. Like, we, we get things done. I, I, don't, I don't really understand here. What, what do you mean she's in the right by just, by just sitting there? You see, the thing is, with that response, Jesus, in essence, tells us what we need to do in order to grow in our relationship with God. We need to spend time with him. We need to sit at the feet of Jesus. This isn't a revolutionary idea. In fact, we already know that spending time together is a key component of any healthy and growing relationship. And so it shouldn't come as a surprise that spending time with Jesus is crucial when it comes to our spiritual growth. Unfortunately, many of us, myself included, follow in Martha's footsteps and not Mary's. I don't know about you, but I find it much easier to relate to Martha. I have a desire to get things done, right? And, and certainly there's nothing wrong with that, but man, I love to accomplish stuff. I also have a desire to serve the Lord. I want to do things for him. And certainly that's all good. Nothing wrong with that. But I also have a tendency to get distracted. And I get distracted by all that I'm doing or need to do or want to do for Jesus. And unfortunately, those distractions can cause me to miss out on spending time with Jesus. I love this quote I came across this week. It says, it's a great temptation to serve at the expense of being fed spiritually. Because I would argue a lot of times serving is easier. Get out there and do something. But sitting at the feet of Jesus and spending time with him, that can be a challenge. And certainly there's a time to serve and there's a time to sit at Jesus' feet. Of course, both are necessary on the path to spiritual maturity. But the danger is that we're so busy serving Jesus that we don't even know him or take time to be with him. 
And I think this is especially true in our American culture where busyness or constant activity is something that's celebrated. Oh, Derek, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing well, but man, I'm busy. I got a lot going on. On to the next thing. There's so many things that are happening right now with, with family life, things at church. Like, I'm, I'm just busy. One thing to the next. And we pride ourselves running around like we have our chicken with the head cut off, right? One activity to the next. Constant activity, constant activity. And we wear our busyness as a badge of honor. Because nobody wants to be like, yeah, I'm sitting at home eating Cheetos, playing video games, not doing a whole much of anything, right? <laughs> nobody wants to be that person, so we always say, oh, I'm busy. Lots going on, right? A lot of things happening. Can't sit still. But I wonder if we're celebrating the wrong thing. One commentator writes, unfortunately, often when things get busy, the first thing to go is time with the Lord. Unfortunately, I've experienced that in my life far more than I care to admit. I know I've been guilty of that so many times. I think to myself, i got a lot going on today at church, so I better just dive right into it and get things done. <laughs> right? I mean, of all people, like pastors, we should have this one figured out, right? No, it's, it's a constant struggle. We all have to work at it. Martin Luther, he took a very different approach to busyness. He once said, I have so much to do that I shall spend the first three hours in prayer. Now that's an approach. And I would imagine if all of us took or spent five minutes in prayer daily, I'm guessing that we would be a lot better off than we are right now. But perhaps Luther was just simply trying to follow the example Jesus set for us. Because despite all of the people clamoring for his attention, despite the countless needs that were brought before him, despite the teaching, all of the teaching that needed to be done, despite all the miracles he had to perform, Jesus still spent time with God. Mark 1.35 says, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. No offense, but... I'm going to venture to say that you're not as important nor as busy as Jesus is. And so if he still found time to spend time with God, then we should probably be doing the same. And so in order to grow in our relationship with God, we must spend time with him. But how do we do that? Or what does that even look like? And of course, there's so many answers to that question. Countless books have been written and, and sermons given on the topic of spiritual growth. And if you were to take a poll, I'm sure there would be tons of different and valid answers about how we can spend more time with Jesus. However, when we decided to include grow in our relationship with God as one of LifePoint's core values, it was done with the intention of focusing on personal spiritual disciplines, meaning we want to be a church that reads scripture daily, that prays continuously, that fasts regularly and with purpose, that memorizes scripture, that gives generously and submits every area of our life to God. And certainly these disciplines aren't meant to be a checklist for spiritual maturity, like, oh, if I do these five things, then I'll become a mature Christian. That's not what it's about. These disciplines and, and even those that I didn't list are all about helping us follow Mary's example of spending time with Jesus. 
And again, I know we're all busy. We're all busy. We all have things going on. But the reality is we all have time. If you're honest with yourself, you have time. We say we're too busy, but we've seen every episode of This Is Us. <laughs> right? We say we're too busy, but I can't even calculate how many hours of football I have watched in the past five months. We say we're busy, but we find time to check a multitude of social media accounts every single day. <laughs> but we're too busy. See, we have time. We just don't manage it very well. Same thing could be said about money. And for the rare person who is actually too busy, who doesn't have time, well, maybe it's time that you start saying no to something and create some margin in your life. Oh, I'm running around to five kids' activities. Well, maybe your kid shouldn't be in five activities at one time, right? Maybe you need to say no to something so that you can do something that has eternal value. See, if it's not a time management issue, then it's probably a priorities issue. Neither one is fun. A phrase my high school soccer coach used to say or yell at us really is, you've got to want it. You've got to want it, meaning if you want to win bad enough, you'll put in the work necessary to make it happen. And in some respects, the same is true for our spiritual growth. We're not just going to magically become spiritually mature. It's a relationship that requires us to put in the work. Hopefully we all want to grow in a relationship with God. And certainly he can give us a greater desire to grow if that's not there for you right now. But if you want to grow, then you have to take ownership of your faith because your spiritual growth is not the responsibility of anyone else. When we fail to take ownership of our faith and fail to spend time with Jesus, we find ourselves in a similar position as the Christians in the book of Hebrews. The author writes this in Hebrews 5, verse 11 through 6, 3. We have much to say about this, but it is hard to explain because you are slow to learn. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, is not acquainted with a teaching about righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Therefore, let us leave the elementary teachings about Christ and go on to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from the acts that lead to death and from faith in God, instruction about baptism, the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment, and God permitting we will do so. See, the author makes it clear that growing in our relationship with God is the expectation for believers. For whatever reason, the recipients of this letter were not as far along as they should have been. But our hope is that by embracing the value of growing our relationship with God, our hope is that we can avoid that situation. We want to be a church that is striving to grow in our relationship with God every single day. And as we've said earlier, it will require time and energy and sacrifice and even pain. But if that's the cost in order for us to live our lives the way Jesus intended, then it'll be worth it. 
The juice is worth the squeeze. This morning, we have the opportunity to pause and reflect on our relationship with God. It's something we don't usually take time for in the hustle and bustle of life. And in just a moment, I'm going to ask you a few questions to help you assess your relationship with God. But before we do that, let's watch the video to see how others at LifePoint have grown in their faith over the years. There's so many opportunities, there's so many ways for us to grow as they reference in the film. But right now as we close, I simply want to ask you to, to kind of ponder a few questions. And maybe these are questions that you'll think about throughout the week or you can snap a picture of the screen or, or write them down so you can consider them as you go about your week. But, but something to assess your relationship with God. Perhaps you'll ask yourself, am I growing in my relationship with God and moving toward spiritual maturity? And if so, where is the evidence of spiritual growth? Has my relationship with God become stagnant? And if so, what can I do to revive it? What changes can I make to my daily schedule or routine to allow time for sitting at the feet of Jesus? Or if you wanted to say it differently, how can I become more like Mary? What spiritual discipline can I utilize in my life in order to grow in my relationship with God. And since God has wired us for relationship, who can hold me accountable to spending time with Jesus? My hope and prayer is that we will all have a greater desire to grow in our relationship with God and take ownership of our faith so that we can experience the growth that God desires and expects. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for your word. We're so grateful for the things that it teaches us about who you are and what you've done for us. God, we're also grateful for, for the, the instruction it provides about how we're to live our lives here on earth. God, may it be our desire, may we all grow in that desire to grow in our relationship with you. God, certainly it's the most important relationship we have, so may we make time for it. May we invest in it so that it can grow and become healthy. So ultimately, God, we can look more and more like Jesus. We pray all this in your son's name. Amen.